I think mm -hmm. that the concept of Lightning Network is genius, absolutely mm -hmm. genius. The implementations that we currently have today are infinitely better than they were two years ago, mm -hmm. right? but they are still pretty bad. Um, and not just the implementation, even the protocol itself is, is in its youth. And there are so many more improvements that we can do. But nevertheless, it works today. <laughs>
from now on until it, the end of the Bitcoin uh, network in the infinite universe, right? mm -hmm. uh, the, these full nodes will have to look at and verify this transaction, which is extremely costly, right? Um, so for me, there needs to be some like serious justification for incurring this type of cost, right? Uh, really in a case where dispute settlement is truly needed, not just in a cooperative case, right? And Lightning Network uh, tries to do that. Uh, it tries to uh, build so-called second layer financial payment constructions where you do no longer need to make uh, that on-chain settlement, uh, that dispute resolution on the Bitcoin blockchain for every single payment. Mm -hmm. There are smart ways where we can use cryptography and well, game theory um, to, uh, uh, to make these transactions in a way that just the sender and receiver need to know about it. Right? And only those two guys need to verify it. Uh, but the entire global network does not. Uh, and Lightning Network embodies this type of mindset, which again, I think is, is a very fruitful one. Uh, because we just see that the Bitcoin blockchain itself cannot scale to fulfill all transactions. Mm -hmm. uh, so keeping some of these transactions that do not need to have that high assurance of dispute resolution off-chain is a, is a very, very meaningful scaling improvement. Yeah, that makes, that makes perfect sense. Now, uh, from my understanding of how the Lightning Network works, right? So first, what you have to do is you have to take an on-chain transaction, like a regular Bitcoin transaction, and then you have to send it somewhere that then opens up payment channels, basically for the super, for the super like uneducated person's perspective, basically puts it on the Lightning Network, more or less. And then, so then it's off-chain. But then in order to communicate with other people, in order, in order to send that off-chain balance to other people, you then need to open up a channel. Is that correct? Yes, exactly. So the Bitcoin Lightning Network is a network of payment channels mm -hmm. that are operated by users running Lightning Network nodes in mm -hmm. a peer-to-peer -peer network. Right? It's, it's similar to Bitcoin in, in many extents, just from the architectural design of a peer-to-peer -peer network, mm -hmm. but it differs in some key aspects where it builds upon the strength of the Bitcoin peer-to-peer -peer network. Mm -hmm. uh, and so, uh, as you say, there are some, like there are basically two transactions that need to be put onto the Bitcoin main layer uh, on the base parent chain uh, to start using the Bitcoin Lightning Network. Uh, and the, the way that we do that is by using an, a novel script. Uh, and this uh, Bitcoin script is basically the spending condition uh, that has to be fulfilled so that any given Bitcoin UTXO, a coin, can be actually spent again. Right? In a naive Bitcoin wallet user experience, this is just a single public key. Right? Uh, so yeah. the Bitcoin script is a single public key, meaning anyone who can provide a valid signature to this public key has uh, or can spend uh, this Bitcoin because uh, that transaction would satisfy or verify uh, the script itself, right? Um, now, the, the Lightning Network uses what's known as multi-signatures, mm -hmm. right? So um, this is basically a, uh, a script that, that does not only require one signature, but two signatures out of two public keys uh, to be verified, right? So only if these two public keys um, uh, can provide a valid signature, right, the coin can be spent again. Um, but uh, maybe then to or to step it a bit back now on the more conceptual level. Mm -hmm. um, so I, Joel and I want to make payments in this Lightning Network in our payment channel, right? Uh, so first of all, we have to open it. Uh, let's say I have one Bitcoin around uh, and I want to, to use this to in the future pay Joel, right? Um, uh, in, in an analogy, I know put this one Bitcoin uh, onto the table, right? Uh, yeah. Where Joel and I sit. Uh, I take it out of my pocket out of my single signature wallet, right, and put it into or onto the table, uh, onto this multi-signature address, mm -hmm. right, uh, where both Joel and I have each one private key, one public key, mm -hmm. um, to uh, to unspend uh, this coin, right. Yeah. Um, now, I mean, first of all, right, you're probably going to ask uh, why why am I putting the money on the table, right, where mm -hmm. I can no longer spend it alone, right? Yeah. If if all of a sudden I need your signature to get my money back, well, mm -hmm. why would I ever do that? Right? And here is where the magic of the Lightning Network starts. Um, we, we can do what's known as a pre-signing of a transaction. Basically, we build a regular Bitcoin transaction, mm -hmm. right? and, uh, and we can even sign this Bitcoin transaction. 
But importantly, we do not yet broadcast this transaction to the entire Bitcoin network, but we keep it locally uh, on our own wallet uh, or our own full node and do not try to get this uns or the signed transaction into the Bitcoin blockchain. Right. And so before I even put the money on the table, I mm -hmm. asked Joel to sign a transaction that spends the money that I'm yet to put on the table yeah. back to me. Right. So this is the known uh, as the refund transaction. Mm -hmm. uh, before I even lay money on the table, I'm sure that I actually get it back in the case that you run away. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And so when you open a channel with new people, so that's just like peer to peer. That's just one on one. And say I want to open a channel with another person. Once it's already on, do I have to do another on-chain transaction or anything to open up additional channels? Yes, exactly. For every um, uh, so every user basically is a full is a Lightning Network node, mm -hmm. right? And you can open a channel to any Lightning Network node out there. Mm -hmm. Basically, sit down with any other peer at a random table, right, and start putting money on the table. Yeah. Um, uh, and this is even like uh, completely permissionless. Like random people, anonymous people, can just start opening Lightning Network channels to you, mm -hmm. right? Um, and that just happens sometimes overnight. Yeah, of course. Right? Um, uh, yes, but there is always a on-chain transaction involved in this, right? because we always need to have this commitment that everyone in the entire Bitcoin network has verified, right? That there's actually money on the table. Right? This is this is the this is where we use the actual establishment of truth that the Bitcoin blockchain provides. Right? Everyone can agree that there's money in this UTXO mm -hmm. locked up to this multi-signature address. Yeah, and so basically, that's kind of how you how you send things. Now, if I did not want to open direct channels with every single person I wanted to pay, like say I want to pay you one time or just a few times, right? I open up a channel, we send some transactions. Then I want to go get coffee, so I have to open up a, a channel to that coffee shop, but it's a regular shop, so that it's worth the price. But then I go traveling and have another one, and then it becomes very expensive to open up a channel with each each place so instead of doing that from my understanding again if i wanted to pay someone else i would send it to you who's connected to someone else and then they'd route it to someone else and it would hit this new coffee shop they don't have a direct channel with is that right exactly right so what we talked about before is known as payment channels mm -hmm. this idea existed long before the lightning network even satoshi was working on early ideas of this concept yeah um and yes, payment channels are only between two parties. Mm -hmm. There are advanced multi-party payment channels, but let's ignore them for now. Yeah. The beauty of the Lightning Network is that we can pay people in a route through payment channels. Mm -hmm. So uh, I can pay, for example, uh, I don't know, some pizza merchant, right? Mm -hmm. Even though I do not have a direct payment channel to him, if you will have that payment channel already uh, established to him, right? So we can route a payment through this Lightning Network. Uh, and and that's the genius idea. But maybe before, like, mm -hmm. one step before then means that we first have to like talk about the nuances of how we actually update one single payment channel. Mm -hmm. Because Lightning Network is just a network of payment channel. Of course. So how do we actually make a payment inside the payment channel? Mm -hmm. okay. um, and so to recap, we're at the situation where both Gerald and I am sitting at the table, and mm -hmm. I put the money onto the table, making sure that I actually get it back before I even put it on the table. Right, getting his signature uh, on this two of two multi-signature. Right? Mm -hmm. And now, once again, we have established on the global truth of the Bitcoin network that there exists this coin in a multi-signature script, and there are exactly one Bitcoin in there. Right? Now we can proceed. Uh, and specifically, um, I can now build a transaction that spends the money that lays on the table. Right? Basically, um, and uh, so I create a Bitcoin transaction that has on the input side this mm -hmm. two out of two multi-signature. Right? Yeah. And on the output side, for example, I could now say um, that uh, uh, there is one public key that just goes to Joel, right? Uh, and he gets now 0 0.1 Bitcoin, right? On, mm -hmm. on his single public key address. And then the other address goes back to me, right? Um, uh, with 0 0.9 Bitcoin as my change. And uh, I sign this transaction. Um, and at this point, when I give it to Joel, he could sign it too. Right? Mm -hmm. He has his private key and he can sign the second key of that multi-signature. Uh, and he could, in theory, broadcast this transaction uh, to the Bitcoin network and get it confirmed if he pays a reasonable fee. 
right? And everyone would see and verify that this payment actually happened. Yeah. But the nice thing about the Lightning Network or, or about payment channels is that we don't necessarily even have to broadcast this transaction mm-hmm. um, because Joel could already take it, right? Um, but he does not yet have to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's the idea, to, to make that payment so that Joel already has it, but in a way that he does not have to broadcast it to everyone. Yeah. Now, the, the one last bit of this like sort of fundamental understanding bit that obviously a lot of people learn when they try to do something and they find out how it works firsthand if they can or can't. So for example, if I wanted to, I just had an empty wallet and I wanted to receive over the Lightning Network, I can't do that, right? Because I need to actually put some money on, put some money on the network first and then people can send to me. And why, so why is that? Um, this is... A- Basically, because then of the way that the the routing in the mm-hmm. Lightning Network works, yeah, right. Um, or I mean, even first and foremost, right. Nobody can route the payments through the Lightning Network to you mm-hmm. if you do not have a payment channel open. Yeah, right. Of course. That's just that that doesn't work, right? You mm-hmm. cannot be part of the network if you don't have the technology. Um, so, therefore, yes, you can only send and receive payments if you even have payment channels. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are multiple ways to open that, right? The, na- the naive case would be just you yourself put one Bitcoin on the table, mm-hmm. right? You are the one opening the payment channel. Yeah. Um, and b- but one important distinction is here, right? All the money um, mm-hmm. is on your side of the table, right? Mm-hmm. All the, the entire one Bitcoin still belongs to you, even though it's in a multi-signature, mm-hmm. because you have the pre-signed transaction, right? Um, but uh, now you can you can only send money. Right, you can send, for example, zero point one Bitcoin to the other side, mm-hmm. keeping zero point nine Bitcoin on your side. Right, um, but if you only have the one Bitcoin in, on your side, you cannot yet receive money, because who's going to give it to you? You're the only one. Like you have one hundred percent of all the money in this UTXO. Yeah. Right. You have not yet pushed any money to the other side of the table. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so this issue can, for example, then be solved if your counterparty opens mm-hmm. the Lightning Network channel. Yeah. Right? If the other person is the, is the person to put the money on the table, he can start throwing some to your side you know, all the time. So uh, the, the way to be able to receive payments in the Lightning Network mm-hmm. is to get um, uh, inbound liquidity so that the other counterparty has money on his side of the table. And if you want to send Bitcoin in the Lightning Network, you need to have a channel balance where on your side locally you have Satoshi sitting that you can still toss over to the other side. Yeah, that makes sense. And it say when you're thinking about it out loud and you're trying to actually do all this yourself as someone who's say someone who's very non-technical or has no, you know, understanding how this works, it could get pretty complicated, which is kind of where I left off years ago. When I first heard about this, I started trying to wrap my head around them thinking, I can't imagine myself doing any of these things. And then more recently, I started using what I've now started to uh, understand our generation two lightning wallets, which are, for example, Breeze and Phoenix, and there might be a couple others. And first off with those, uh, I was able to receive to them without opening up a channel on chain. And I was able to just, you know, send other people without opening up channels because, you know, basically I was able to just like download it and start using it. So do you have any idea about how these kinds of Gen 2 wallets that have just a much smoother experience, how they actually work? Yes, and I think those are very elegant solutions to the clunkiness of the Bitcoin Lightning Network at the mm-hmm. current stage. Yeah. Right? Um, maybe let's build up from the bottom, right? So we, okay. we, we said that, uh, you know, either you yourself put the money uh, onto the fo- uh, on, into the payment channel, mm-hmm. and then you can only send money outwards, right? You cannot receive money yet. Um, so this means somehow... A, a, uh, um, well, actually, there, there, there are two things, right? So you can then also, even without working with any other party other than your channel body, you can mm-hmm. just send the Bitcoin out, right, mm-hmm. through the payment uh, channel into the Lightning Network somewhere. Um, for example, back to yourself, mm-hmm. right? If you have yeah, another Lightning Network wallet, you can push all the money through the Lightning Network and route it back to yourself in a different wallet, mm-hmm. and thereby you naturally gain the uh, inbound liquidity and can start receiving Bitcoin again, yeah. right? So this is kind of one of the ways to open a channel yourself and then oftentimes swap out 
uh, back to the on-chain uh, of your wallet, for example, or just a different Lightning Network wallet. Um, the second uh, only option, basically, is to convince someone else to open a channel to you. Mm -hmm. Right. If you if you don't want to be the one to put Lightning uh, or Bitcoin into the Lightning channels, mm -hmm. uh, then someone else has to do it. Uh, so how are you going to convince them? Uh, probably one of the early popular ways uh, is yell very loudly on Twitter. Yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> right? uh, so works. just make pu public advertisements, right? Mm -hmm. uh, put it on your website, right? And say, hey, if you want to connect to our Lightning node, this is the, our public key and our address where you can find it, right? Mm -hmm. um, uh, like things like this uh, can help in general because there are enthusiasts who want to help, you know, pe connect people to the Lightning Network and they will likely open channels to you. That's at least how I did it for most of the nodes that I started. Um, the other general idea is to pay someone to open that channel to you. Of course. Right? Uh, and uh, this market approach solves a lot of issues, right? Because, I mean, you can yell on Twitter very loudly, but if you don't have many followers, mm -hmm. nobody's going to do anything, right? So it's very restricted. Uh, and paying someone is an elegant solution to that. Um, and there are, um, so there are, there, there are two approaches here. The first, and that's actually rather a newer approach, is kind of a market-based discovery mechanism. Yeah. Um, uh, I think Lightning Pool, Ellen Pool or something it's called. Um, uh, that is out there in beta right now, where anyone can offer uh, to open a channel to someone else for a specific duration of time mm -hmm. and get paid an, an interest rate uh, on that capital investment. Um, the other more frequently used approach, or, well, I, I don't know, but the other mm -hmm. mainly used approach uh, is what's known as lightning service providers. Mm -hmm. uh, a, a game on the name of internet service providers. Mm -hmm. These are basically service providers, companies who sell you the service of offering you a uh, a nice lightning network connection, right? Um, mm -hmm. And nice in many different ways. Um, uh, like for one, it just means to provide this opening of a lightning network channel. Yeah. Right? So there are, um, uh, like for example, Breeze does that, Phoenix Wallet does that. Um, uh, also, uh, BitRefill uh, has in their gift card uh, section also the Thor usage, yeah. which is their node just opening a Lightning Network channel to you. Mm -hmm. right? uh, so you can buy that even from non-wallet providers uh, externally. Um, so yes, uh, Phoenix Wallet and Breeze use these Lightning service providers to onboard the user uh, to the Lightning Network. They, they even do a couple more interesting tricks we, we might talk about later. Yeah, and so for example, when I, let's just say I'm a, you know, I'm a user, I want to receive, I just download a, a wallet. Someone just says, hey, I want to send you some money. I Can I send it on Lightning? I'm like, what's Lightning? And they explain it. And then I'm like, well, okay, I'm an idiot. How do I do it? And they say, just go take your phone, download this wallet. And then there you go. So I have a, let's just say a Phoenix wallet. I have nothing in there. And then they say, okay, well, send me your invoice. And I then they send it to the invoice. What's happening there then is Phoenix is opening up a channel to the to the lightning to my wallet between myself and the person who wants to pay me then they're able to pay me right is that kind of how it's working uh yes in general yes so mm -hmm. let's dive a bit down into the nuances um so every phoenix wallet user is its own lightning network node mm -hmm. right um but as a very light client format yeah um, and one of the, these custom conditions of this node is that it can only send and receive payments through payment channels mm -hmm. with the Async node. Mm -hmm. Async is the company that builds Phoenix and the Eclair uh, Lightning node implementation. Um, and they have one of the largest nodes on the Lightning network, mainly because they have so many Phoenix users. Yeah, of uh, And they open payment channels to each of their Phoenix users. So Async always initiates the opening uh, of the payment channel to each of Phoenix users. And the user can only route through the async node, uh, mm -hmm. both for sending and receiving payments. Okay. Um, so how does this work if you don't have any Bitcoin on that wallet? Brand new mm -hmm. wallet, no payment channels open. And uh, But as soon as you start Phoenix, you have a running Lightning Network node. Mm -hmm. right? With a running Lightning Network public key and network identity and so on. Yeah. Um, and now you can already generate an invoice. And this invoice has a routing hint that prescribes, again, that the async node must be the, the last hop in the route, in the receiving mm -hmm. route, right? Again, every payment receiving and sending has to be routed through a sync in Phoenix model. Um, and now anyone can read this, this invoice 
and can see that a sync is is going to be the the final hop of the payment. Um, this is known as trampoline routing, uh, by the way. Oh no, sorry, sorry, that's something different. We're going to get to that. Somewhat similar to rendezvous routing, but yeah. it's not not nicely, not exactly it, but roughly. Yeah. Um, uh, and then as soon as the sender builds that route through the Lightning Network uh, and makes that payment uh, to the end user, eventually he will hit that final hop, which is a sync. Mm-hmm. Now, as soon as a sync sees that this specific user, Lightning Network node, uh, gets paid and they realize that there is no existing channel, what they do is that they open a channel on the fly, uh, as they mm-hmm. call it. And I'm not exactly sure about the nuances of the technicalities of mm-hmm. how atomic and trustless this is. I believe it is trustless and atomic in the sense that the payment channels gets opened mm-hmm. and they immediately push the value over uh, to your side of the channel that you just received. Right? Um, and this is in, a, in an atomic way that they can only receive the payment uh, uh, from the route, like mm-hmm. into their own wallet, after they have done this forwarding transaction to you. Uh, so it is a trustless route in the Lightning Network in that sense. Yeah, and so when they open up a channel to me at the end of this route, the channel on the fly opening, they're doing some sort of an on-chain transaction to open the route, to open the actual channel. But because it's an atomic thing, they don't actually have to wait until it's confirmed in order for me to get the money. They just route it already, and then, but it's for sure going to confirm anyway, so everything's going to turn out okay. Um. Yes. So there, there are a couple nuances here. So, mm-hmm. so for one, it is atomic in the sense that they, the async node will only receive the payment from the sender of the original Lightning Network route if they make that on-chain transaction to open your channel, right? Uh, and to get it through. I, th- I think, I, again, I'm not sure on, on the exact nuances here. Maybe this is not atomic and there is some level of trust involved in that step. Um, the other aspect uh, is what they use here is called turbo channels. Mm-hmm. And this basically means opening a Lightning Network channel and considering it as active even before it is confirmed on the Bitcoin blockchain. Mm. Um, and so that sort of is like risky. a zero conf channel, more or less. Exactly. Okay. And that's a very stupid idea on many levels and a very smart idea on other levels. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it's a stupid idea because it's an unconfirmed transaction. And if you've done any serious look on how Bitcoin mempool actually works, yeah. it's a mess. It's an absolute nightmare. Like, don't trust anything that's in the mempool. <laughs> as long as it's not confirmed and buried under a lot of proof of work, it's yeah, not real. Right? Um, like, it's scary, actually, of all the weird things that go on there. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, zero conf transaction in general, bad idea. Building a second layer on top of a zero-conf transaction gets exponentially worse. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so uh, specifically for the send uh, for the receiver of that payment, um, because again, so a sync opens the payment channel with, for example, one Bitcoin, mm-hmm. right? Um, and uh, they get this refund transaction directly to themselves, um, where they get ten Bitcoin back in their side of the channel. Mm-hmm. Um, now, when they make a payment. Uh, uh, to you, sending you one Bitcoin out of the 10, uh, for example. Right? Now, you have uh, the outcome mm-hmm. of you get you started with zero Bitcoin, but now you have one Bitcoin. Right? That's better for you. Right? Yeah. So, and it's worse for a sync. Right? They started with, with 10 Bitcoin and now only have nine. Um, so what they can just do is simply double spend uh, the Lightning Network channel opening transaction. Mm-hmm. Right? From, before they put the money on the table, right? in their single SIG wallet, just use that coin, spend it somewhere else with a higher fee, mm-hmm. right? Um, and then the Lightning Network channel was never opened. Yeah, and but, so, I, but they still, I still got the money through the channel, and then they just rescinded it afterwards. But but here's the tricky thing, mm-hmm. right? So so a sync put the money onto the table, and then they gave you a small part of that money on the table. Right? Yeah. But then now, because the mon- the the transaction putting the money on the table was not yet confirmed on the blockchain. The money isn't actually on the table, mm-hmm. right? And they can simply take that same money and put it on a different table just mm-hmm. by making a second Bitcoin transaction with a higher fee that gets confirmed. Mm. Trivial to do. Um, so, yes, you got, you have a valid transaction with all the valid signatures that shows that you have one Bitcoin in this payment channel, mm. but the payment channel is not on the blockchain. Right? Interesting. <laughs> so it doesn't exist. Yeah. So basically, I, that seems like a cost-saving measure on their part. 
So let's say there's five people trying to use it. And rather than having to do five on-chain transactions for each channel they're opening to their customers, they kind of do one and then sort of double spend it again and again. They could kind of switch it over. And so they, they by having the proof that they paid each one, that's enough to open temporarily the channel on L2, but then they're able to just to not spend the fee five times by doing this five times. Is that sort of how it works or is, am I jumping ahead too far? Uh, this is known as replace by fee transaction batching. Mm -hmm. uh, so you, you have an unconfirmed transaction. Eh? Now you double spend the original coin with a higher fee in the second transaction. Mm -hmm. And now you can add like you can add inputs, you can add outputs or remove inputs or outputs. You can do whatever you want in these double spend mm -hmm. transactions, including making batch payments, right? Adding a second payment output into there that saves you a lot of fees. Great idea. Very difficult to do that in Lightning because again, if, if, as, as soon as you deal with unconfirmed transactions, especially in RBF scenarios where you do replace them, um, that will lead to coordination nightmare um, because the coordination work that you did previously on the original version of that unconfirmed transaction mm -hmm. now is, is gone, right? And you have to renegotiate and that, uh, I, I don't even think, or it's probably possible, but it's a pain in the ass. Um, so th they don't use this type of RBF um, double spending. Um, as if I understand correctly, currently they do open a single user payment channel with everyone in a single transaction. Right, so they have a massive on-chain footprint, and yes, that is a serious, uh, like a serious cost. Uh, it really mm -hmm. is, and this is one of the things that we have not yet implemented uh, or even figured out conceptually on how to scale such a massive onboarding of users. Something like a channel factory comes in mind to solve it, but that's probably too advanced to talk now. Yeah, and so that's kind of how they solve the things that are uglier for the end user, which is just how do you start sending and receiving right away without worrying about opening channels without, without even knowing what a channel is or how to open it. You just kind of start doing it. Now, the other, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, that, that, that's that's a good summary. Um, and again, mainly with the aspect of uh, timing, mm -hmm. right? Uh, so to, to have the channel opening only done if you actually receive money, mm -hmm. right? that's a massive benefit. Um, uh, and uh, that it looks to you as if it would be as if the money is just received instantly, mm -hmm. while in fact there is some trust involved until it is actually confirmed on chain. Yeah, for sure. And so now we're talking about the other thing that is a little bit difficult for some people to understand is uh, when you have to receive payments, when you want to receive into, let's say, a regular old Bitcoin wallet, regular old public key, you can do that at any time you can have a paper wallet, right? <laughs> wallet or a hardware wallet. Something is not even online at the moment. You can receive a payment, and then once it's conferred on the blockchain, as soon as you actually open that up again, then it'll sync up, and oh, there's the payment. But with Lightning, it has to be on the whole time. Now, with these Gen 2 wallets, has there been a workaround, or do you still have to have your app running all the time? Do you still have to have the thing open in order to receive a payment? Uh, for some wallets, that is the case. If I remember correctly, in Breeze Wallet, that is the case. You have mm -hmm. to have the app running uh, up front. Mm -hmm. um, with Phoenix Wallet, uh, again, I'm failing on the details, but I think that they have, again, because the async node is the, the last hop of every payment, mm -hmm. it can receive the notification that this node gets gets paid. Oh, but that would only be the way with a key send. No, okay. Actually, I think I'm, I'm. I think I don't think this is actually how it works. So I, I will mm -hmm. stop trying to explain it here. But yeah, the main issue why it does not work is because, first of all, the sender needs to provide an invoice. Mm -hmm. uh, sorry, the receiver needs to provide an invoice, which is basically the commitment to a secret uh, that uh, that other people will will buy basically mm -hmm. um, uh, in the route. Um, this is the first reason, right? So the 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 receiver needs to be online just to give out that secret. There are ways around that, um, uh, like, yeah, but again, not worth explaining them. Um, and th the, the second aspect is because uh, if you, anytime that you make an update to your payment channel, you actually need to sign a Bitcoin transaction, mm. right? Um, because you need to sign that two out of two multi-signature uh, yeah. script uh, to spend it to another coin, right? The, the money on the table, you need to again prove that you actually own it uh, when you send it again. Uh, and this is the second reason why you have to be online in Lightning Network. 
Yeah, well, that makes sense. Now, as far as backing up your wallets, so obviously with on-chain, it's relatively simple, right? You have your 12-word phrase, and then you can, that's kind of it, and then you can just put that into any app that works with this, any wallet, and then it just gets all your money back. That's kind of how you do it. Now, there are backups for lightning nodes, etc. right? I heard something about they need to be constantly updated. It's not just a single 12-word phrase that derives everything. Uh, do you know how that would work in the, the Gen 2 wallets, how they would back those things up? Yes, so there are a couple things here. First of all, Lightning Network still just controls keys mm -hmm. that are on the Bitcoin blockchain, right? So yeah. you, you do have some funds on-chain, even in a Lightning Network wallet in many cases. Um, so it always makes sense still to just to keep your 24 recovery words uh, backed up mm -hmm. because this will give you at least part to access to some uh, part. Uh, the issue is that in Lightning Network, we cannot rely only on the deterministically generated keys uh, of these 24 words in the hierarchical deterministic wallet structure. Mm -hmm. We need other information to actually spend the money uh, uh, in a payment channel. Why? Again, because this is collaborative amongst two users, right? and we are even pre-signing transactions that we will not even broadcast, uh, that we might not even broadcast in the future. Mm -hmm. right? And the ownership, the most recent ownership of the coin in the Lightning channel is basically that final pre-signed transaction, the most recent one that was actually made. Um, so these have to be uh, like backed up. Basically, you need to broadcast the latest state of your Lightning Network channel in order to receive your money back. Mm -hmm. And when you generate the wallet, you cannot know that piece of information. Of course. Right? You, uh, and that's why it cannot be deterministic in that backup. Mm -hmm. So yes, if you want to make a full backup of your Lightning Network channels, um, this means that you have to m have to update your backup with every Lightning Network payment that you make. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so practically, how that practically how does that work? Do you know as far as like when you have like a simple mobile app or something like that? Yeah, the the nice the cool thing about Bitcoin wallets is that they have cryptography at its core, mm -hmm. right? And every user has private keys that are securely backed up. So a nice way that a lot of the wallets do is that um, you simply encrypt this backup to the 24 recovery words of your Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. right? Still, nobody knows the 24 words, right? But you back it up to that public key representative, basically. Um, and then you have a ciphertext encrypted payload with an extremely strong password. Right? Mm -hmm. The password is strong enough that you trust protecting your Bitcoin with it. So yeah, it's strong enough to, to trust your backups, right? Um, and now you take the ciphertext and you upload it to any file sharing service. Mm -hmm. um, I, like, I think if I remember correctly, Breeze offers like Google Play or uh, like mm -hmm. uh, uh, like some, some other options, um, probably Apple Cloud and stuff like this, um, where you can upload these encrypted files. Right? Mm -hmm. um, Phoenix, if I remember correctly, actually sends it to a, uh, to a backup storage server of the async node. Mm. I think this is one of the services that Phoenix provides is that you don't have to upload your encrypted Bitcoin wallet to some Apple computer, but you just, you know, use the already trusted reputation and uh, relationship with, with the Lightning service provider of a sync. Um, there's, there's one other important thing. Um, so these, these dynamically generated backups mm -hmm. are important if you want to update or if you want to backup a Lightning network channel as it is alive. Right? Mm -hmm. And you want to continue using it when you recover that backup. Yeah. If you want to continue using after recovery, right, then you do need to have the most recent up-to-date information. Uh, otherwise, it doesn't work. Um, but there is another case where you, like, let, let's say, like, you've lost complete access to the hardware itself, for example, and you don't, uh, like, you don't even want, you don't have the most recent up-to-date information. What you can still do with the so-called static channel backup you can um, uh, like take the you can um, give some certain piece of information in this backup to your counterparty node uh, and hope that he will um, uh, like uh, close the channel um, uh, uh, like uncooperatively, yeah. meaning not together with your signature because you're you're offline, right? You lost yeah, your private keys, presumably. Um, and but so he he closes that channel uncooperatively which mm -hmm. means there is a one week time lock where this channel closing transaction is uh, 
is locked basically mm -hmm. um and uh after that timeout then you can get your money back on the on-chain transaction uh, on the on-chain address that was part of your static channel backup um but here again the issue is you have to somehow trust your channel body to not steal from you right mm -hmm. uh, because he could publish an old state of the lightning channel um uh, and that's the somewhat of the downside here yeah so basically you'd want to keep your own constant backups not just the 12 24 word seed or whatever but also this the constant channel state backup and for example something like phoenix would do it for you uh, but if you don't want to trust them with your backups for that you'd have to kind of figure something else out yes exactly uh again i think this is a this is a ux issue mm -hmm. right it was the same with the early bitcoin wallet days where you just generated 100 keys put it into your wallet.dot file and use them and afterwards you had to generate the next 100 keys yeah in the of second course. Round. but if you only made a backup of the first 100 keys you lose all your money right so that's a ux issue and we fixed it with this hierarchical deterministic wallet and that you have you know one backup uh like one backup out of which you get all of your keys until mm -hmm. infinity right um like genius solutions like this will come up for the lightning network it's just one of the many many things that is not yet nicely done um i in general like the idea of having just a, a constant backup to a server that is encrypted specifically if it's encrypted with a strong password i mean mm -hmm. nobody's gonna crack it and also if you can send it to your own server uh, I, I think this is this is a massive thing like to to just have a whole, like a, a server for yourself mm -hmm. can be your bitcoin node right same computer that runs your bitcoin node just yeah. has a small what's known as a lightning network watchtower uh, that uh, can for one keep backup data and for mm -hmm. the other thing will even uh, broadcast your justice transaction in the case that someone tries to close a channel at a previous state as i just mentioned earlier right um uh, this justice transaction to point out that this is a uh, theft going on can mm -hmm. be broadcasted by other people, right? And these people are known as watchtowers. Yeah, so now we're talking about, uh, we got this interesting technology that can really help increase the capacity of people using Bitcoin. And at its core, if you're doing everything yourself, it can become very difficult for a non-technical user. So then you have services like, for example, a sync with the Phoenix wallet, that still lets you hold on to your private keys, you still hold on to your front, it's still non-custodial, but then they do things for you like open channels for you and help you with the backups and things like that. And then something like Breeze does a lot of those same things, but not necessarily all of the same things. But so it might be harder to use a little bit, but you know, there's a little there's fewer things you'd have to trust them with. And so on, so on, and it it goes like that. So first off, what what more do you think needs to be taken care of before the user experience is pretty smooth? Um, you know, to be honest, I think Phoenix Wallet is as good as it needs to be for mm -hmm. the UX. Like, yeah. it's a stupid, simple send and receive experience. Mm -hmm. And magic happens under the hood. Like, I think we figured out the UX. Mm -hmm. um, where, where I see the biggest challenges for the Lightning Network is rather in, in protocol design and architecture, right? Um, and there is where I see the biggest, biggest hurdles. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's really like it's working very hacky right now. Mm -hmm. And you feel it in a lot of places. Yes, we can put a nice user interface on top, but still it's very clunky under the hood. Um, two things that I, I am absolutely certain are required, required, uh, for Lightning Network to work in the long run. Um, if we do not have these two things, Lightning Network, I consider broken, mm -hmm. uh, unscalable. Um, and this is Taproot. Mm -hmm. uh, Taproot is an upgrade to two things. First of all, it uses the Schnorr signature algorithm. The magic that we can do with that is that multi-signatures look like single signatures. Right? Massive for Lightning Network as it uses multi-signatures. Yeah, right? So huge, 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 huge privacy improvement. Um, as, it, and with with these Schnorr signatures, we can also use um, uh, no longer rely on hashed time-locked contracts mm -hmm. uh, that rely with a, a pre-image, a secret, and a hash um, of that secret. Uh, but rather, we use a, a, a private key, basically, uh, and a public key as the commitment to that secret, and a signature to reveal that secret, uh, known as adapter signatures. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and this will improve the routing capability and the routing privacy of the Lightning Network. Um, 
like this is again tamper is required for lightning network to have any meaningful privacy guarantees um in for both on chain as well as off chain um the second thing required for scalability is known as the l2 upgrade uh, channel update mechanism mm. um the main difference to it the current payment channel system that we use right now um is that currently you will you like at any time someone else can broadcast an older state of the channel mm -hmm. a valid pre-signed transaction from yesterday right even though you've updated the channel uh, since yeah um and the way that this is solved in the, uh in the current channel design is that the the victim of the theft uh, has to actively publish what's known as the, a lightning justice transaction uh, which proves to the network that uh, basically the other person is is uh, stealing well, yeah, of in course. a sense um, and as a result, the victim can take all of the Bitcoin in this channel, right? So uh, the the attacker loses his own Bitcoin in this payment channel. Mm -hmm. um, but the downside is that each channel update has a unique justice transaction, meaning that you will have to remember every justice transaction of every channel update that you have ever made. Mm. You cannot forget a single justice transaction ever, because if you do the attacker could just use this certain state of the channel and broadcast it mm -hmm. and you have you do not have to prove to say that this is a this is a theft right mm. um and this means that you have to do recurring backups and even worse that the recurring backups increase in size yeah always right and this makes it especially difficult for people who kind of want to watch out for justice transactions for others mm -hmm. these so-called watchtowers right if a watchtower has like a, a million users and each of them make, I don't know, a million channel updates per day, right? That's many, many millions of justice transactions that have to be remembered by that watchtower. It does not scale. does yeah. not scale. Um, and so what L2 provides is a, a twist in how we can make these channel update transactions so that you can always prove that a certain transaction ha happened after mm -hmm. a previous transaction. So... I have a proof that the payment channel update from yesterday is older than this one that I'm having right here from today. Mm -hmm. right? I can, and this means that I no longer need to um, remember the justice transaction of every payment channel update, but only the one of the most recent. Right? Yeah, that solves um, a lot. Exactly. Uh, because now the backup size is just one single justice transaction and no longer all of the payment channel updates that you made. Mm -hmm. um, like... L2 is also required for a lot of things like channel factories, which are basically multi-party payment channel openings. Mm -hmm. So 100 users provide 100 inputs in a Bitcoin transaction, and they generate one single output, the channel factory output, which is a 100 out of 100 multi-signature. Mm -hmm. It's like a bunch of pre-signed transaction coordination craziness. Uh, but the, the result is that we have this one on-chain transaction to open the channel factory. And then each of these 100 users inside the channel factory can open payment channels to each other off-chain mm. without making an on-chain transaction. And that is massive for scalability uh, and, of course, speed, right? Because off-chain transactions are instant. So you can open and close lightning channels instantly at basically no cost. Um, uh, and these two things, again, Taproot and L2, uh, both require so two independent soft fork updates to Bitcoin. And both are required to get lightning working practically under the hood yeah that makes sense and so when we're trying to for just from a purely user experience standpoint because that's what it always boils down to at the end of the day no one cares how their car works under the hood as long as it just drives uh well it seems like the the experience is pretty smooth and streamlined is getting there in some ways uh the challenge still is let's say i have a hundred us dollars worth of bitcoin and I want to I want to spend it in small increments. I want to use I want to use smaller payments in order to get started on Lightning. I need to pay an on-chain transaction fee just to get it off you know get it off-chain, which could be what like twenty U.S. dollars or something like that. And so what? And of course, after that, I can receive payments to my to myself without having to incur those kinds of fees. So it doesn't matter. But it is what one could call. The average user would say this is a twenty dollars sign up fee for using Lightning for using Bitcoin, basically. And so, obviously, that 
you know, complicates the experience. It makes it a little bit less attractive. I remember uh, Roy from Breeze made some post a while ago where he said something basically making the case for keeping things on the Lightning Network rather than going off and on. And obviously, you know, that's his arguments. He speaks for himself, and that doesn't necessarily have to be what you believe. But what do you think about a wor- moving to a world where almost no one ever touches on-chain, ever? As in, they get paid, let's just say they get paid their salary in Bitcoin in this future world, and they get it straight on Lightning. They've never made an on-chain transaction. It's all in Lightning. They send it places. They back up their Lightning wallet and their channel states and everything, and you know they that's how they secure it. But they never actually transact on chain. Uh, from a security perspective, do you think that's do you think that's a good idea at all? Uh, it very much depends on the nuances, right? Mm-hmm. The devil is in the detail. Obviously, yeah. Uh, I I think conceptually it's totally doable. Uh, there's there's one thing called state chains, which mm-hmm. is a second layer technology, uh, specifically designed, or it works really well together with Lightning Network. So basically, you're open your payment channels, not on the Bitcoin blockchain, but inside that state chain. Um, mm-hmm. And the nice thing is that you can get in a state chain without, like you can get Bitcoin trustlessly in a state chain without ever going on chain. Mm-hmm. Um, because here, private keys are shared. Uh, like kind of weird concept, but you can actually own Bitcoin without ever making an on-chain transaction. Um, like this is a very, very interesting line of research. Um, it's not easy to do and state chains are not perfect. And there's a, like incre- incredible amount of, of research going on that side, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but I think this will be figured out um, in, in again, more or less tr- trust-based models. Um, uh, I've, I, I absolutely think that we can make Im- immense improvements of efficiency of how we open and close Lightning Network channels. Mm-hmm. Like batching payments and batching Lightning Channel openings are are very, very... Uh, interesting for improving like or decreasing the on-chain cost mm-hmm. um, and that can be used plus one important insight opening a lightning network channel is in many cases a low f- a low time preference transaction meaning you're not in a hurry to get that channel opened mm-hmm. because in many cases you already have a lightning network channel opened in your phone in your node mm-hmm. and therefore you have instant payments already right mm-hmm. so you can make these instant payments already Opening a channel is not really making the payment, it's rather preparing the payment. And you can prepare the payment weeks in advance, right? And uh, then it's all right if you pay a very low fee and it takes a week or two for that channel opening transaction to confirm. As soon as it's eventually confirmed, even if you paid a ridiculously low amount of sats and had to, had to wait weeks, right? You can then still use it trustlessly. Yeah, well, that makes sense. Now, does the Lightning security model require there to be on-chain settlements ever? Or could we just end up one day when almost no activity, no settlement is on-chain and almost all everyone's balances and everything are kind of years behind as far as the on-chain is in there. Kind of for years, they've been only settled and changed off-chain and never actually got changed. Is that ever is that would that ever pose a problem for the network if you don't end up settling on chain kind of ever for most cases i think it's a bit of a a probably far-fetched like theory i Mm -hmm. mean there's always going to be conflicts um i mean for for one because people disagree right and for the other thing you know bugs in the software and and miscommunications and just computers going offline Mm -hmm. right that stuff happens in a permissionless network uh, I don't think we can completely get rid of it, right? So, th- yes, there. Will, I, I think there will always be channels being opened and closed. Um, uh, like, you do need a secure first layer for a second layer to work. Mm-hmm. That's just inevitable. Um, but also the question is, how efficiently can you use the first layer to still get a great UX on the second layer? I think that's a very interesting line of thought. Yeah. Um, be- because, again, like, we could make one on-chain transaction as an ent- like entire small region of uh, 20,000 yeah, users, right? And settling this one tr- transaction uh, will, you know, provide future payments and future, you know, uh, const- uh, like financial contracts that are being created uh, for years to come, mm-hmm. right? And because it's like an, an on-chain transaction for me is such a massive event, 
yeah. like this goes down in history, right? <laughs> like literally, <laughs> everyone will have to read this. Like this is, I like you don't drive a tank to the grocery store just to pick up some apples. Mm-hmm. Right? So for me, mentally already, I see every coin transaction as this huge festival that needs to be prepared and to nicely coordinate it yeah, <laughs> to, to to get rolling smoothly. And I think with that type of mindset and really taking care on how to efficiently coordinate these transactions. Again, we can improve a lot, a, a serious whole lot. Yeah, well, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, the only the only last thing is more of a um, like a conceptual or philosophical question. Or so when we're talking about these the Gen two wallet approach, where you have a, some services doing a lot of you know the Lightning service providers doing a lot of things for you, even though you hold on to your own keys. Uh, one of the criti- one of the things I've heard mentioned in the past was that the hub and spoke model that eventually this would tend to trend in a direction where you have just a few large, extremely well connected hubs that are say like a like bank like services that kind of that basically the Lightning Network will tend towards centralization and so it'll be very difficult for the average person to use it without trusting one of these sorts of large hubs. And then that will, of course, you know, lead it to all kinds of regulation and censorship or whatever other things like that. Do you think that that is going to be a problem in the future? Uh, yeah, yeah, very much. That is a potential outcome. And that's mm-hmm. again why I say that Taproot and L2 are required for mm-hmm. Lightning Network to work properly. Mm-hmm. If we don't have that, then yes, the only reasonable outcome is a hub and spoke model where a couple exchanges somehow settle their, their transactions not even frequently mm-hmm. right? because it's a, a tremendous burden to keep all the data. So, um, yeah, um, it's it's definitely a concern. Um, how do we get around this? Uh, I mean, on two ways. First of all, make it better to use Lightning completely self-sovereign in a way that you do not rely on one single Lightning service provider. Again, Taproot, L2 uh, provide a lot of protocol improvements for that. Mm-hmm. And it's just a lot of client-side implementation work. Right? Mm-hmm, that's probably the majority of it, right? um, but but that's somewhat covered. Um, the the other important outcome, uh, or the other thing is, again, centralization makes sense to a certain degree, right? It's very mm-hmm. efficient, it's very scalable. Um, the the issue is if if there's too much trust in the central party, yeah, right? And this is, I think, where we can also make a meaningful improvement in the medium term. And that is to make sure that these lightning service providers have as little knowledge about their customers as reasonable yeah, and as little ways to censor them or to deny them access uh, on a targeted way. Right? If, if, the, if, this, if the trusted party cannot steal and cannot spy, I think that's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, Phoenix solves the first one. Phoenix and Bree solve the first one. Uh, the lightning service provider cannot steal. Mm-hmm. That's great. That's a massive win. Right? Yeah. That's infinitely better than a Coinbase account. Right? Of course. <laughs> but the second thing is, I think, where the real challenge is, making that thing private. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of like to link it to, to CoinJoin analogy mm-hmm. because we figured out how to do like naively coordinated CoinJoin years ago, right? but it took maybe even until zero link or probably until the research we're doing right now with Wabi Sabi mm-hmm. to actually come up with a with a coin join coordination model where the coordinator can neither spe- steal, mm-hmm. so completely non-custodial, which again yeah. was figured out years ago, and then eight years later we come out with a way so that the coordinator cannot spy on the user, mm-hmm. knows nothing about the user, right? Um, like I, I foresee the same kind of disbalance in Lightning Network. We mm-hmm. can figure it out to do it non-custodially, rather easy, but to figure out how to do that in a private, anonymous, and censorship-resistant way mm-hmm. is going to take years years to figure out properly um like i've i've been thinking about it for a lot and first of all again taproot mm-hmm. and l2 are required for yeah, any meaningful privacy and lightning network right and efficiency to actually do interesting things that are private um like channel factories and such uh it, but but yes this is somewhat where i'm a bit like uh maybe afraid of the huge pile of work that is still ahead afraid uh, but excited i'm sure Exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because again, we see Phoenix is a great example, beautiful UX, mm-hmm. and the service provider cannot steal. Amazing. But he can spy on the user pretty badly, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, like, it, it, uh, for example, it even goes so far that the route uh, for the, the uh, is not even calculated on the client side. 
but mm -hmm. on the server side with trampoline routing. Mm -hmm. So the async node knows exactly wherever you're sending in the Lightning Network, which is, of course, it breaks the Lightning Network privacy guarantee of on-route uh, payment privacy, completely broken in the async model. Um, uh, and uh, then, you know, also channel balance can be clearly understood by um, async. Mm -hmm. And because you, you do not open any channel to anyone else, right, every receiving payment is also obviously tied to you. So there's just a lot of things that they kind of had to make shortcuts in terms of privacy, to be frank. Um, uh, just to get that smooth UX. Now, I, I applaud them, absolutely. Like, no mm -hmm. disrespect, this is an amazing work on the UX and the security of uh, a beautiful non-custodial Lightning wallet. It's just that I'm, I'm, it, I know how much work it took to get here, and I see the even bigger work that we need to do to order to make it proper. Yeah. Well, that makes perfect sense to me. I think hopefully anyone watching this will have a bigger and a much better understanding of how Lightning got to where it is today and where it still needs to go. Where should I tell people to go to find more about you and your work? Uh, TowardsLiberty.com is, is a site that I'm hosting that was always an archive of knowledge about well, all things of Austrian economics, uh, Bitcoin philosophy, um, and freedom in general. Uh, and uh, currently, I'm actually uh, using BTC Pay Server uh, uh, to accept Bitcoin Lightning payments regularly. And this is one of the kind of success stories of the Lightning Network that I can say that even though I was very pessimistic about the Lightning Network in this conversation, basically, mm -hmm. it works. It does work. And about 70% mm -hmm. of my clients pay me with Bitcoin over Lightning Network. And I can receive these payments flawlessly uh, and even do with rather little manual work in you know balancing channels and such. So even though it is clunky under the hood, it does mm -hmm. work. Right? Yeah. And it, it will just get even better uh, with time. Um, but yes, Towards Liberty is that site where I, I also host Socratic seminars uh, to learn more about all of these uh, things down the Bitcoin rabbit hole. Uh, so again, if, if peers are interested for, for further in-depth conversations about all of this, uh, mm -hmm. TowardsLiberty.com is the place to be. All right. Well, thanks very much. I hope you have a great one. I very much had a great conversation with you. I'm looking forward to the next one. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed the podcast, subscribe so you don't miss an episode and donate to support the show by going to my Cointree page. That's cointr.ee slash the desert links and leave a message with your donation. Check out the show's sponsors. Live on crypto with BitRefill. Buy absolutely anything with crypto with Shop and Bit. Avoid content censorship with Odyssey. Protect your privacy online with NordVPN. Get paid to search with PreSearch. All links are in the show notes.